Hey new mama, I remember being in your shoes and feeling so overwhelmed. I was battling mom guilt, trying to do it all, struggling to transition into working mom life, and just wished there was a place to go that would provide me clear guidance with simple, quick, easy solutions for the problems I was facing. Hey, I'm Lauren Francois and I created it for you. Welcome to the Mom Hacks Podcast, where in each episode I will provide you with a simple tactical hack in self-care, health, and wellness, mom life solutions solutions to simplify motherhood and even productivity, goal setting, and habit creation to make your transition back into the workspace that much smoother. Welcome to the show, Naptime Warrior. Now let's dig into today's episode. Okay, mamas, we have Eleni back with us today for round two of infant sleep training. So today we're going to talk about scheduling and we're going to talk about developmental milestones. And I am just going to let you dive right in. Okay, cool. Thanks for having me again. going to talk about scheduling today and developmental milestones, not like what happens during those milestones, but how those milestones can or cannot affect sleep. So last episode, we talked about sleep training. And a lot of times women in like my Facebook group who aren't doing one-on-one coaching with me, so I don't know the ins and outs of their child very well, they'll tell me that the sleep training isn't working. And then we dive into their schedule and oftentimes their schedule is a bit off. So scheduling and sleep training really do go hand in hand and the scheduling sets your baby up optimally for the best possible outcome with sleep training. It can also cut down tears as well to make sure your baby is not insanely overtired that can help with the tear aspect of sleep training or the crying aspect of sleep training. So with scheduling, once your baby, your baby is going to have like a bazillion naps when they're a newborn and then they kind of consolidate into four naps. And then somewhere around like the sleep training age, they go onto a three nap schedule. You'll start to see a morning and afternoon and an evening cat nap kind of develop. So once you see this, uh, it's usually around like four months of age. Once they're on a three nap schedule, it can be safe to begin to push them to buy the clock naps or scheduled naps rather than just, you know, following your baby's lead and letting them sleep when they're tired. And these times can actually align best with your baby's natural rhythms, circadian rhythms. And oftentimes putting your baby down at these times sets them up for optimal sleep. I've actually, I hold like support groups occasionally in my Facebook group. And I had a mom who just couldn't stomach the letting her baby cry at all. Um, And her baby was a crier. So even the gentle methods were not working so well, but we just tweaked her son's schedule. And for months, she ended up sleep training him months and months later, but for months he was sleeping he was taking long naps because of the times she was putting him down and he was sleeping long stretches at night just because of timing. So it really is super important. I do have a free document also on both my Instagram and my Facebook group, which we'll talk about at the end that um, gives you the optimal times for a three nap, a two nap and a one nap schedule. And these are based off of Mark Weisbluth's schedule suggestions in his book, Healthy Sleep Habits, Happy Child, which I don't actually suggest reading if you have a newborn because it is the fattest, most scientific and annoying book to read. So if you just want the cliff notes and you just want to know what those times are, you should go to my Facebook group and check out the file section. Additionally, though, following your baby's age-appropriate wake time, which I'll talk about what a wake time is in a minute, before bed can set them up for better overnight sleep. So making sure they're not stretched too long. So a wake time is basically the amount of time between one sleep 
and the next. So if your baby is waking up at 5 p.m. from their first, sorry, from their last nap, and they have a two hour awake window, they should be asleep at that two hour mark. But again, I'm gonna go into this a little bit further in a minute. A lot of times parents in general, even mother-in-laws, they think that keeping, <laughs> keeping your child up too long before bed is gonna make them so tired that they're gonna sleep so well, right? So keep your baby up late. This is a huge misconception and the opposite is true. If you keep your child up too long before bed, even if they seem perfectly fine, like my youngest, Zoe, she like she will never let us know when she's tired. She will seem happy and fine the whole time, but she will sleep like garbage if we keep her up too long, especially as a baby. She was really sensitive to that. So if you keep your child up too long before bed, their cortisol, their adrenaline, and their norepinephrine, it spikes, and it makes it super difficult for them to fall asleep and stay asleep. So this can cause sleep disruptions on its own, even if your child is putting him or herself to sleep at the start of the night. This can oftentimes disguise itself, overtiredness can disguise itself as a super hyper baby. And this is usually when your mother-in-law comes in and says, why are you putting her to bed? She doesn't seem tired. And you kind of like have this urge to punch her or something, you know, maybe, or maybe that's just me. I don't know. Um, but in actuality, your baby is exhausted. So this hyperactivity is oftentimes a sign that you have gone too long and your baby should have been in bed a long time ago. People talk about like those sleepy cues also, right? Like yawning and their eyes turning red or getting like fussy. That's oftentimes a sign that you're, you've passed that mark. In my Facebook group also, and on Instagram, I have documents that cover what wake windows are by age, because it's too much to talk about in an episode. I don't want to sit here just being like, at three months of age, your child stays up this long. But the, as your baby grows up, their wake windows do increase and there's a range. So sometimes you have to play around to see where within that range your baby falls because each baby has their own sweet spot. So some have a higher tolerance and they can fall on the longer end of the range that's given. And some really are more sensitive sleepers or have even like a, a, a higher sleep need. Um, they need more overall daily sleep and they can only withstand the shorter of the two wake windows within that range. So I usually suggest once you've found out what your baby's wake window is, I usually suggest putting your baby down for independent sleep about 15 to 20 minutes before the end of that wake window to give them time to settle on their own and to not creep into that overtired territory. So they should be asleep by the end of the wake window, not in bed by then, because that's usually a sign that you've gone too long. So an example might be like at five months old, a wake window for a baby is usually the longest end is two hours. They can stay up for two hours. Some babies can do one and a half hours at five months old. Some can do two hours. So let's say we have a baby that can go two hours. And if your baby wakes up again from their third nap of the day at 5 p.m., you would want to make sure that your baby is asleep by seven o'clock, not in bed by seven o'clock, but asleep by seven o'clock. So you will put your baby down maybe at like 640 to give him some time or her some time to settle on their own and get themselves to sleep by that mark. This also oftentimes pre prevents a lot of the crying that can be involved in sleep training because your baby isn't overly tired. And it also cuts down the amount of time that they cry if they are just kind of naturally criers because all of those hormones are not increased in their body and they're not fighting the sleep. So really putting your baby in a position for optimal sleep depends on their wake windows and nap scheduling. One thing I do want to cover when we're talking about age mattering and developmental milestones mattering with kids, sleep training doesn't mean and scheduling doesn't mean that your baby is never going to have a bad night again. 
It just means that you kind of don't fall into habits that you don't want to keep. So with developmental milestones like crawling or rolling over or, you know, walking or even talking when your baby is like closer to the 18 month range, these, these developmental milestones can interfere with sleep. Not always, like, you know, Lauren and I were talking about how some babies, when they do hit these milestones, they still sleep just fine. My first, my oldest, she actually never, besides maybe waking early occasionally, she never really had sleep disruptions due to crawling or walking or anything like that. But my youngest, when she was about six months old, started to crawl and wanted us to die, it seemed like, because she was waking up in the middle of the night after having slept like an angel for so long. I didn't understand what was going on but she was working on crawling. So when we're considering age, age doesn't just matter because of your wake windows increasing or because of nap transitions, because nap transitions also happen, but because some ages are basically hotbeds for these developmental milestones. And again, it doesn't affect every baby. So it's easy to believe that when you sleep train, it's smooth sailing forever, but crap naps are going to happen. Sometimes it's usually temporary and it's all in how you kind of approach these things. Waking up early can happen. And they might have some like broken up sleep sometimes during these, you know, milestones. It helps me sometimes to just realize that their brain is on fire with this new skill. And that's like, it's like baby crack. And it's like all they want to do, you know, is this skill. And they do it at the most inappropriate of times. So yeah, basically when these hiccups happen in your baby's sleep, the key is rolling with the punches and not falling back into old patterns that you don't want to keep. So if you were you know, nursing to sleep or rocking to sleep before you sleep trained, suddenly your baby is waking up because they started crawling or something like that. Uh, and so their sleep is disrupted. Do not go back to, to rocking them or nursing them because then you're going to have to do the sleep training thing all over again. It's setting up problems for yourself more in the long run. So just make sure that you guys are approaching the wake-ups the way that you basically approach the beginning of the night with your sleep training method. So yeah, the whole first year or even first two years of your child's life is basically going to be kind of a developmental roller coaster. The biggest hotbeds for these developmental milestones and leaps are six months old, nine months old, 10 to 12 months old. 10 to 12 months old, it's usually nap problems that I see people experiencing. 18 months old, that's usually when language development is happening and two years old when they're starting to become, you know, these independent beings and also are talking a lot more. So those are usually the main times where you're going to see some sort of sleep disruption. And there's a varying range of whether they're totally severe sleep disruptions or just like, you know, an early wake up or two. And it also really helps to follow. I'm not sure if you followed it when you had your kids, but the Wonder Weeks app is very helpful in determining when um, these developmental leaps are happening. So you can kind of expect some clinginess and sleep disruptions. We had talked about sleep training and we talked about scheduling and how to set up optimal sleep. But to close out, I, I kind of mentioned this in the last episode, is that sleep training is not for everybody. And it doesn't need to be for everybody. I know that there are some, like, if it doesn't feel like it's broken to you, if following your baby's lead, if nursing them or rocking them or co-sleeping them safely, like, all night long is your thing. Nobody is telling you that you need to change that or fix that. That's, it's totally fine. But if you are finding that these habits are interfering with your mental health and your ability to enjoy motherhood, then there's no, there's no shame in sleep training. There's no shame in, you know, 
pushing your child to be on a set schedule. And there's no shame in like leaving a party early, not that we're partying because of COVID or anything like that, but like leaving a party early so that you can make bedtime, you know, because I know there's a lot of guilt that kind of goes into those things as well. But there's no problem in setting up your child to sleep optimally so that you too can sleep optimally. So if you're unsure if sleep training is for you, I really like, I want to urge the people who are listening to this to come reach out to me. Like, I am not going to force you into thinking one specific way. I've had many clients who have been in like my sleep sprints, these support groups that I hold who have to back out because they're just, they find that it's not for them. And that's totally fine. Like, you know, I, I want you to feel confident in whatever decision you're making as a mom. So you can feel free to join my Facebook group or follow me on Instagram. We're in this craziness of motherhood together. And I just find that shaming any mom for what they're doing if it's not your belief, you know, it's not the best way to approach this. So we need to support each other in the decisions that we make. Oh my gosh, I agree. So I have a couple of friends who are totally fine with waking up like five times a night with their babies. They're just very like chill, relaxed, whatever, go with the flow people. And they'll be like, oh, my, my son woke up like five times last night. It's fine. It's not a big deal. And they're like, they're completely being honest. And I'm like, awesome. Like if that were me, I would be like, shoot me. I mean, I would not be able to handle that. I think the most my newborns ever woke up in the middle of the night were like three times, you know, three or four times. I don't know. I didn't count like late night, early morning feedings as like nighttime, like a 4.30 feeding. I'm like, that's morning. That's not like a middle of the night thing. But yeah, some people are just totally fine with it or want to rock their babies to sleep or want to, you know, hold and snuggle and we're all different. There's no one right way. Right. And I also know a lot of people who enjoy having, I mean, it's really sweet when your baby is like a newborn to have them nap on you and stuff like that. Like I get it, but I also like to do things. There's no like flow about me. I like to <laughs> like to not go with the flow. I like to know what to expect to some degree. So sleep training and scheduling was for me, you know? Oh yeah. We are, we are one in the same because I was the same <laughs> way. I loved being on a schedule. I loved knowing exactly when they were going to nap, when they were going to get up, when they were going to go to bed. And I remember... <laughs> Maybe you can talk about this one and answer this question. Can babies sleep too long? Because I remember when I was sleep training and it's mother-in-laws, it's mother-in-laws hands down. I would drop my kids off at their mother-in-laws and I would say, they need to be awake by this time. And she would be like, what are you talking about? Like you let a sleeping baby sleep. And I was like, no, like you need to wake him up. If he is not awake by three o'clock or whatever it is, you need to wake him up. And that was so hard for her. But I was like, nope, you got to do it. If he doesn't stay on this schedule, we're going to ruin everything. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. They're like, a lot of times when I work with uh, moms, you find out how much overall day sleep your baby needs. But yeah, if they nap too long, then bedtime could be a disaster and it's, you know, it goes too late or they wake up super early because they've had enough sleep. Like for sure, the old adage that you never wake a sleeping baby is it's BS. (laughs) It is not true, you guys. You can wake a sleeping baby. You can. Especially if you want your child on a schedule. (laughs) (laughs) If not, no big deal. Um, But I also love how you mentioned that 
you know, every child is so different. And you were talking about how your oldest daughter was an amazing sleeper and never really had any sleep disruptions. Mm-hmm. Both of my kids really didn't have any sort of sleep disruptions until toddlerhood. And crossing my fingers, my daughter just turned two and we haven't had any sleep disruptions. Like if she wakes up in the middle of the night, it is a rare very, very rare thing. My son didn't really have any sleep disruptions until toddlerhood, until he was like two and a half, three, and we started, you know, waking up in the middle of the night and wanting to come into our room and and that kind of thing, or, you know, not wanting to us to leave the room when he was going to bed. But we never experienced, you know, a four months sleep regression or some of these other sleep regressions people talk about. So don't think that just because, like Eleni said, just because there's a developmental leap happening or just because your sleep training method says there's going to be a four month sleep or sleep regression that it has to be that way. Sometimes I think we actually can make it happen because we think it's going to happen and we're like looking for it to happen. I can't tell you how many moms are like, oh, I'm getting ready for that four month sleep regression. And I'm like, just relax. You don't even know if that's going to happen. You have no idea. So I'm really, really glad that you mentioned that. Yeah, see, so you are more go with the flow, but that's so true. I feel like that could be a totally different episode is like the link between our own anxiety and our own like, you know, emotional issues and how it does affect baby sleep, which by the way, my mother-in-law used to tell me whenever I was super anxious that like the, these babies can feel it. And at the time I, I wanted to punch her. I keep saying that I sound like a very abusive person, but I swear I'm not. Um, but I like, you know, I got super upset with her, but now that I'm, you know, more relaxed and kind of can look back on things. She was right. I would never tell her that, but she, she (laughs) I agree with you. I am a hundred percent believer that our energy rubs off on our children. So if we're like super uptight and anxious, like they can sense that this is a whole different topic, but we're all energy. If you've listened to some of my other episodes on how we create our realities and those kind of things, like scientifically, we are all energy. So yes, our energy affects our baby's energy and they can definitely feel those things. So the more relaxed we stay, the more relaxed they will stay. And it's not easy. I am not saying that I am a relaxed person all the time. I'm probably (laughs) far from, (laughs) but yes, that is true. Our energy can and does rub off on them. Well, thank you so much for giving us all of this amazing info. I know this is going to help so many of you definitely go connect with Eleni. So Eleni, where can these mamas find you? So there are a bunch of different places, but social media is the best. My free Facebook group is, if you type in sleep coach mom dash team sleep, you can find my Facebook group on Facebook <laughs> and you can find, you can find me on Instagram at sleep underscore coach underscore mom, or just email me at Eleni at sleepcoachmom.com. Awesome. Okay. I will include all of those links in the show notes for you guys. So all you have to do is scroll down and you can click on them and it'll take you to each of those places. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Okay, you guys, we will talk to you at our next episode. 
Okay, mama, real quick before you go, if you found value in today's episode, please subscribe, share this with your friends, and leave me a review. Leaving a review is so simple. I didn't know how to do it either, so I'm going to walk you through it. All you have to do is whatever app you're listening to this podcast in, find my show, scroll to the bottom, you'll see stars, and with those stars, you can leave me a rating and review. I love you so much for taking the time to do this, and each week I'll be sharing a review of the week because I want to shout you guys out. In all honesty, the reviews are what help this podcast get into the hands of other new mamas. Okay, I'll let you get back to your day. See you next time.